using new software here, but I love that uh, it's giving you tips on how close you should stay to your mic. And just like, you know, all of America, we cannot use, I don't know, the metric system or the imperial system. It says stay between a fingers and a fist width away from the microphone instead of, you know, the universally agreed upon three to five inches. <laughs> yeah. Although men and women for generations have disagreed on what an inch actually is for various reasons. So, I mean, it could be it could be our skewed, even that aside, just figuring out. You know how bad I am at estimating groups. So estimating the distance between two things. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, so okay. Like, anytime Grace is trying to tell a story or, like, say how long something took or how yeah. many of something there were, I've got it down to almost an exact science that uh, she will double that number. <laughs> it, it's actually really impressive. Yeah, that's, that's the way I am, especially with, oh, you know, it was about, like, 200 yards away. Like, what are you talking no, about? It was, no, like, it was, 10 it feet. Was, yeah. <laughs> Like if, if she says like oh oh yeah there was like there was like ten thousand people there well no I I mean there was a lot there was probably five thousand people but that, that's very that's very close that's almost that's exactly double very much the same way I don't know why but I do appreciate Libson giving podcast guests instructions although being in you know having the broadcasting background that you and I both have we'll know we know that they will ignore them completely because how many Absolutely. times do you tell any guest coming in you just did a radiothon that I'm sure you had to do it fifty times get right up on the mic even before you're on the air you're like hey, I, by the way get right up on the mic like be touching it almost with your lips like just get right <laughs> up on it they're like okay what did you say lean back in my chair from the other oh, side of the door like God. no i said yeah. get on it honestly no everyone we had on air was super good you know wow. we the, the we it was two days it was a two-day radiothon the first day we didn't have many people in person at all but we did have uh, consistently there, at least one person from the charity. So one uh, day one, we had the same dude on air with us for pretty much all breaks. He he did a. They both did twelve hour days both days. Um, so wow. we had the dude there on day one, and we had the woman there on day two, and both of them were great on air. Yeah. Uh, day two, we had more people live in studio who were who were partners who were partnering with the charity, but. Yeah, everyone, everyone was really good. And, and, you know, like if I said, okay, yeah, we'll put you on this mic, like I would adjust it and I would like bring it right up to their mic or yeah. right up to their mouth. They would know like, okay, yeah, I should not move from this area. <laughs> that is, those those are anomalies in my experience. And, <laughs> Although radiothons are kind of a different animal because you're dealing with people who do this like every year a lot of times. I remember That's the true. one we do That's down true. in Jackson. <laughs> like even the kids who would come back every year would be like, where do I sit right here? Okay, and talk, and, and they'd like have their spiel down and everything it's like all right see you next year you know yeah like uh, like <laughs> okay. all the kids who would do uh who do like the make-a-wish uh radiothon mm. they're, they're all pros you oh, know yeah. like they oh, yeah, they, they do this every single year <laughs> they're like yeah okay you want me to tell like the really sad version of my story or do you want me to save some details for like actual radiothon time like yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just tease it just tease it a little bit there dude yeah, and they're like, uh, keep it to a minute, and then uh, do you want me to ramp up the next song, or you want to uh, van oh or my tease God. into the next? <laughs> like, they're like, uh, um, what, what? Yeah. Do you, do you want me like, to give a plug for your socials and your sites? <laughs> that's how long we've they've been doing it. <laughs> like, I can hit the post if you need me to. You want to do it? Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, should we get going? I know you're uh, on a, on a bit of a a schedule. I guess. Might as well. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. 
I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about the penultimate Season 5 episode, The Korean Bookie. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Ski Lift? I did find this in man where was this i didn't source it it was i believe it was imdb so we didn't have any homework but i did find some other stuff and someone said that rachel would not need a head covering as a single orthodox jewish woman only as a married woman must one's hair be completely covered so oh okay yeah i i take that with a grain of salt because it is random (laughs) internet person but there you go and it's also you know larry david plays fast and loose with what he considers religious traditions already. So I did find this out. I'm going to try to truncate this as, as much as I can, but I found it really interesting. The ski lift episode was based on a real legal case called oh, no. Friedman versus <laughs> the state of New York. And I read through this whole brief to get the story behind it. But basically, August 22nd, 1963, 16-year-old Ruth Friedman, uh, who was raised in the Hebrew faith by parents who adhered to ultra-Orthodox tenants, Uh, had been uh, educated in yeshiva schools and had a strict personal observance of all the Orthodox Jewish laws and traditions and customs. In summer of 1963, she was a counselor and lifeguard at an Orthodox Jewish children's camp. So this is something we've kind of um, explored in various, like Adam's Family Values and the Cropsy movie. Like we talked a lot. Oh, and, and, and Parent Trap. Like we talked about these summer camps and how how they a, go they all were. summer long? Yeah, yeah. You just send kids there. But they were particularly like, you know, there's like there were Jewish ones. Like specifically, yeah. you send your kid to like a Jewish summer camp. I don't know if we ever watched one of those movies, but like Wet Hot American Summer kind of plays with that idea uh, that I've mentioned before. But so uh, she had a day off. Another counselor, 19-year-old Jack Katz, she was friends with. They decided to take a picnic lunch and drive to the ski center for an afternoon of sightseeing. They bought round-trip lift tickets that uh, opened at the, – the lift ticket ran from, like, 9.30 to 6. And yeah. it started getting cold, so around 5 or 5.30, they started heading back to the ski lift. When they got there, the ski lift was deserted, but the chairlift was running. So they got on, and after a few minutes, it stopped about 20 to 25 feet in the air. <laughs> so they yelled for help. Uh, Miss Friedman, like, you know, as, as a, the lawsuit calls her, the, she freaked out and became hysterical – to the prospect of being stranded on the mountain 25 feet in the air overnight. And the court said, obviously, anybody would be hysterical in that situation. But they recognized that the moral compulsion of the young lady was that she believed under the moral compulsion she was under, she was not to spend the night alone with a man in any situation. So they actually had a witness, a rabbi come in and talked about the Hebrew law. And there is a specific law, the wow. y- Yeshud, which specifically forbids a woman to stay with a man in a place which is not available to a third person. And it would be an overwhelming moral sin to break the law, uh, not absolutely uh, ruin this young girl's reputation, but also the reputation of her parents. Hmm. And so here's where I kind of go, all right, you know, you you, say, you tell people the story of the ski lift and any r- rational person would go, oh, of course, that, you know, that makes sense. You, it's, you didn't break any Jewish law or whatever. But it also, you know, there's going to be people going, did you hear that ski lift story she made up? She spent the night with that <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, yeah. Obviously. Sure. You know, so um, the court concludes that while a member of liberal or conservative wings of Judaism might disagree with the rabbi's interpretation of Hebrew law, it was entirely within the realm of possibilities that a 100% orthodox member of Judaism, which Rachel Friedman was, would agree with the interpretation that, you know, she would go to lengths of possibly jumping to her death 
to avoid violation of this. Now, maybe I'm just like misinterpreting it, but you said the law was uh, you were forbidden from staying with a man in a place where a third person is not welcome. What was that? Was that the wording? I guess it's just not available to a third person. It, That's what it said. Yeah. A ski lift totally is. It's just there is not a third person around. Yeah, it's a public I mean, place. Yeah, it's, it's, it was closed and abandoned, and it was 25 feet in the air. So maybe that's enough. Like, a third person yeah, couldn't I, jump up I, there on a closed yeah, I ski guess lift. Like, I guess, like, uh, it, it just depends in, like you said, how strictly you are interpreting it. Because it, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm, like, interpreting it, like, as strict as it's written, then I think it's totally fine. Because it's, you know, it's not shut off so that a third person can't be there. It's just there doesn't happen to be a third person there currently. Yeah, and if the third person was there, they could tell what's going on 20 to 25 feet away. Absolutely. With the naked Absolutely. eye. Yeah. If a third person was there, they could tell what was going on. They could call for help if they have a cell phone. Yeah, that's true, too. Um, of course, remember, this was 1963, but... That's true. In Rachel's that's case... True. Yeah, in Rachel's case, and by the way, she did have a cell phone, so the whole thing was a big plot hole. But uh, So Friedman, Friedman wiggled her way to the bottom of the chair and let go. Next thing she remembered, she's on the ground, face bloodied. She had to break into three lodges to find a working phone and call the cops, who started the lift and got Jack down. So I love that it played out the exact same way, where Jack, the 19-year-old, <laughs> obviously not Orthodox Jew... But working at a Jewish summer camp was like, no, we don't have to. Let's just come on. We don't. I'm not doing. Be, it. I'm not yeah. jumping. <laughs> the, the, it'll like, be fine. Mentality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, no, I, I don't think you should jump. I'm not jumping. And she's like, no. I'm, so yeah, the 19, the older guy was like, no, that that's uh, I'm not doing that. But she, it ended up she broke her nose. She lacerated her nostril up to the bridge. Oh I'm my like, god. Ugh. Well, uh, actually, uh, okay, that's like a centimeter or something. That's it's not cut. far, but yeah. yeah, I mean, still, it reminds me of if you ever seen it's Chinatown. Smack, it's smacking yeah. your head pretty hard. That's what it is. Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson gets a switchblade put in his nostril in Chinatown and, and pulled back, and uh, yeah, by a hood, and he spends the rest of the movie with a bandage over his nose, which I always thought was a funny choice. But it uh, it it reminds me of that. It's not a place I'd like to tear. In fact, she had to have nasal reconstruction, <laughs> you know, nasal reconstruction surgery with because it was broken and lacerated like that. She cut her eyelid. She had whiplash. She had other bruises. She suffered anxiety and nightmares for a long time. She started passing out randomly. In fact, six times in all wow. as a result of what they called post-traumatic convulsive disorder. Uh, the state was found not responsible for that. Uh, anxiety really after the yeah the after the trauma which i was kind of surprised yeah, but, i don't um, i don't quite agree with that yeah yeah but i guess that you know whatever they weren't able to prove that it was definitely due to this jump that was causing that anxiety so i guess there were other okay. factors that they were like yeah um so the court found the state to have been negligent in the placement of signs the size of the signs that said hey this thing closes at a certain time and the almost non-existent effort which was made to advise passengers of the rules of operation so the attendants would like you know, they check the area and then the, the ones at the top would ride the one down and then they turn it off when they got down there. And so the attendants basically asked somebody getting on the lift around closing time. Just if to turn it off was back. they got to the top. <laughs> yeah. No, but no, like so all the guests were coming down. And so they checked like to the right and they didn't find anybody there. And someone coming from the left, a tourist, they were like, hey, is anybody back there? And the tourist was like, no. And the court considered that, as I agree, a negligent performance of duty. And like they should have checked themselves, not take a tourist word that like, no, I didn't see anybody. I don't know. 
Uh, and so, but obviously Rachel and Jack were back in that area and the attendants just didn't go check. And they were like, sweet, let's get out of here. There also was a loudspeaker mounted at the apex terminus and it could be heard all over the mountaintop, but it wasn't used to announce that the lift was closing down for the night for some reason. And so uh, the state took all of that to account. And they were like, yes, they were negligent in making sure that everybody was down and not turning off the, the chairlift when somebody was on it at the end of the day. Uh, and so Rachel Friedman was awarded $35,000. Keep in mind, though, this is 1963, so I put it in the inflation calendar mm-hmm. or, or calculator, and that's about $332,000 uh, okay. okay. today. Yeah. And her dad got about $2,200, which today is somewhere north of like 21000 So, yeah, she... I guess she kind of made out okay uh, from the situation. Yeah. I mean, I for it... for for lifelong post traumatic, uh, what do you yeah. call post traumatic? Post traumatic convulsive, and Con- again, that might be a 1963 term. I tried to Google it. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, psychiatric. Uh, for they're using something different these days. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm sure, but for for a lifelong, uh, mm, a, a lifelong brain condition, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and facial reconstruction surgery. Yeah, that, that, that's probably on par with how much it costs and yeah. and how much she's going to need just to you know pay for that the rest of her yeah, life. I think, I think it, it did cover the surgery and and you know I forget what other you know they they kind of break down what they're awarding the money for in the in the lawsuit. <laughs> but yeah, I found it really really interesting uh, that it actually happened. So I don't know if uh, Rachel could probably sue the mountain if she wanted to. I guess not Larry. I don't think she could bring Larry into it, but. Uh, so that is all from uh, trivia and tidbits and stuff. Let us now consult the book. In this episode, this episode of Curb was Lopez's. Oh, George Lopez. I was like, why Why did they just use his last name? <laughs> this episode was George Lopez's first job after his real life kidney transplant. When Larry David mentioned to him oh, on wow. a phone call that Alonzo Mourning had dropped out. I did not know Alonzo Mourning uh, was a uh, kidney transplant recipient. Do you know that name? No, I do not. A uh, basketball player from back in the day. He was on that. He was on one of the dream teams. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forget was which he, one. Was he supposed to be on the show or was he supposed to be a kidney transplant person? I think he was supposed to be on the show as their kidney transplant person. Oh, okay. So both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is which? the book should make clear. I mean, they have the room. There's a big white space here where they could have said... <laughs> Alonzo, like, they could have explained, Alonzo Mourning was supposed to be on the show as, but I guess we're just supposed to fill in the blanks with context clues. Uh, so Larry David mentioned that Alonzo Mourning had dropped out. George Lopez told him he'd love to do the show, and Larry David rewrote the outline to accommodate him. Uh, Curb assistant art director Lisa Thompson offered to let David use her name for the nurse who has the big vagina. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, what were they thinking from the what they were thinking section of the book? George Lopez, who played himself, said, Larry is just like a Zen comedy master. So being on the show is like being in the Chicago Bulls uniform playing with Michael Jordan. I knew they worked without a script, and I'm a comedian for 25 years, so I thought, shit, I can handle a little improv. You just open your mind. It's like a really expensive car. It's meant to run fast. And Iris Barr, who plays Rachel Heineman, said, in the show, Larry tried to fool my character into thinking he's a mega Jew, but having gone to an Orthodox school as a child, I didn't buy any of it. At one point, we got into a heated debate about religious law in an attempt to catch him at his ignorance. I asked him, what does the Mishnah say about this issue? He replied in full confidence, Larry, the Mishnah, he says, Iris, he, Larry, she, Iris, it. So Larry thought the Mishnah, in that, uh, I guess, deleted scene, deleted bit of improv, Larry was uh, thinking that the Mishnah was a person, not a mm-hmm. A book or a tome of some sort. So that is all from the book. 
You may be seated. All right. We got any news or anything? Not that I saw. Okay, cool, cool. Nice uh, nice quick week. Yeah. So if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 16 minutes, keeping it nice and trim this yep. week. Uh, we like to save our questions for the week following and give them to ourselves as though we are assigning ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. Can't wait till we get to the point where you actually haven't seen the episodes it's coming up quick yeah, i think no, isn't it, it? Is, it is. yeah yeah i actually i kind of was looking ahead at the seasons to come and i'm like yeah I, the next season i definitely watched but uh-huh. i think probably eight I think or nine i might have dropped off it's following season six that uh they take like the six-year break right oh yeah yeah i think you're right i i could be i could be totally wrong but i i, I want to say that it was around 2008 2009 mm-hmm. and i mean we are in 2005 so maybe it is like two two three more seasons if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you use either of those apps to listen. If you like us, please give us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Review and rating on Apple Podcasts, just a rating on Spotify. Uh, If you don't use either of those apps, totally fine. Um, But if you do, we would really appreciate it. It really does help out the show. Uh, If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join us over on Patreon. It's our exclusive club for the people who really, really do like us. You know, five bucks a month gets you early access to every single episode. And not just early access, it gets you extended cuts of the episodes. Um, we had one that I think uh, Tim and I bullshit for like an extra 45 minutes. On. Uh, do you even remember what we talked about? Uh, was that the gambling episode? I think that was the gambling episode. Where yeah. we talked a little bit about, yeah. Which, by the <laughs> way, um, fuck the Arlington Renegades. I lost oh, my. Yeah, I know. Um, Houston, oh, Houston no. beat them. I yeah, know they were leading at the half, Houston and I was beat like, them. "Hell yeah, seventeen dollars coming my way." And then no. I checked the next day, I'm like, "Damn it." <laughs> you you, uh, you actually sound a lot like Larry in this coming episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, join us over on Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you into the It's a Hyundai tier. And uh, in addition to the early and extended access of episodes, we get Seinfeld Extended Cinematic Universe movie reviews. Haven't done one since uh, uh, January, but we got one coming soon. Um, we just got to record that either this week or next week, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. We probably should do this week. Um, I, I had that, that Odyssey of the Mind thing, that huge thing that was hanging over my head is over. So, uh... um, yeah, I, I don't have that. I, I only have one thing hanging over my head now, so <laughs> I can probably fit it in this week. All right. Well, if you if you want to think of a movie, we can uh, we can do that. Okay. I'll, I'll give you give you the choice of what we do this time. Got it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's over at patreon.com slash no hugging. You can join us over there alongside Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's dad and mom, separate accounts. There is no password. There is no <laughs> password sharing in no hugging, no learning land. Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, and Megan Stolarski. Thank you guys so much. You might recognize that. Uh, Nate Collins' other email accounts, the access has lapsed. So, Nate Collins, right. back it's, to only having one account, like everyone else. Nate Collins, finally finally smarting up. But, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll take double the money. Just like we'll, we'll take double the money from, 
from both your parents, Tim. Yes. And and the thing is, um, your mom still has not opted into a oh, new no. tier <laughs> after we after we closed our twelve dollar t shirt tier. So she is paying <laughs> more than double than everyone else every single month still. <laughs> I know I've brought that up to her. It's not it's not that we're trying to scam her. But you yeah. know, I do she is, you know, as a super patron, at least once a week, she gets one of those um, one time live, no rebroadcast podcasts over the phone mm-hmm. where you actually get to. And it's only with me. It's not with Ted. I could. Yeah, and I should conference you into those. It's, <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. it's very personal, too. Yeah. Yeah. We talk family stuff. <laughs> and so she does get those. You know, we try to do once a week. You know, sometimes we fall behind. Um, <laughs> I should conference Ted into those. You should. You should. <laughs> Honestly, that would be hilarious as just a like a Patreon extra. <laughs> yeah, it's like you get a phone call with Tim and Ted. <laughs> like that's a great reward. <laughs> <laughs> no, not gonna make you want to just I don't know quit living. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but right now it's just for my mom and it's just one of us. If she wants to pay more, maybe that's what we should do. Start a twenty dollars tier where it's yeah, yeah. Uh, phone calls with both of us, yeah, definitely yeah. once a week. Yes, and then and then don't forget. This reminds me all of one of my favorite Patreon jokes: the Joe Biden tier, where Ted gets his student loans paid off. Oh God, I forgot about the Joe I Biden tier. It was just for Joe Biden. <laughs> All right. All that being said, season five, <laughs> episode nine, the Korean bookie, original air date, November 27th, 2005. And if you're looking in TV guide that night, you are going to see Larry suspects his Korean bookie of kidnapping Jeff's dog. Uh, I mean, not only is it kind of racist, it, uh, <laughs> I don't it even think you be... need to throw the kind of qualifier <laughs> into that. <laughs> yeah. It's like going, going to a racetrack and saying it's kind of loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or saying it's kind of racist. No, I'm kidding. NASCAR fans, come on. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was pretty funny. That was good. Um, so, yeah. Well, well it, but it may not be a good synopsis in general. Uh, so we'll have to see when we get to the end if we can make it better. Um, so we open at home, and Larry and Cheryl are going to Mark and Marla's barbecue on the beach. And Larry wants to bring a jacket because it doesn't get very cold on the beach. And we sort of uh, reset the paper storyline where Cheryl wants Larry to apologize to Mark for, you know, accusing him of stealing his paper. But does he owe Mark an apology? I mean, it, is it clear that Mark was the one stealing the paper? And it's once he was found clear. out, he stopped. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, mean Im- we, we talked about the ending of the episode in that it, maybe this is just because of the HD remaster. Or yeah, maybe right. because we're seeing it in HD. <laughs> Mark was not the person who performed that surgery. Yeah, it was Dr. Sidney Levine <laughs> like, who left a Seder. One of the is, weirdest is, choices. Yeah, is Mark, what, like, working with Sidney Levine? You know, yeah. was, was his name, you know, just, like, in paragraph two? Yeah, but... or if he's like, I'm a doctor at Sidney Levine's practice. That would have, like... Maybe, maybe. Really helped us out with, with this. <laughs> or if it said Dr. Sidney Levine, whose friends call him Mark. You know, he goes by his middle name or whatever. Sydney Mark Levine. Sydney yeah. Mark Levine. <laughs> like anything to help us out with that, but no. But yeah, so I, I think it's implied that when Sarah, when when Larry found him out, that he stopped stealing the paper. Like if you were accused of a crime, you might stop doing that crime regularly, but it's not official, you know. Or Mark left it there because he knew that story was in it, and Mark would see it, or, or Larry would see it. I don't know. 
It's um, but it, that's again, these are all these are all fan theories that we have to write ourselves at the end of most episodes of Curb. Yeah, and we shouldn't fucking have to do that. <laughs> like, I know the show is so proud about we don't write anything. We yeah. just improv. Well, close your own fucking holes. You know, know. close your it, own plot holes. I don't want to do this for you. <laughs> probably comes down to, you know, they, they run and gun, too, with shooting. And so it's like, oh, you know what would have made this better if, if if we just kind of had one more line in this scene, but... The actor's gone. The set we had for an hour because yeah. we just, you know, grab cameras. And what, so it's just but, sort of the nature of like, well, we got to hang it up. Yeah. Uh, but Tim, like both of us being, you know, radio people by trade, by by like the length of time we've spent in that profession. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're told whenever you go into a break, do not start talking unless you know how you want to end that break, how you want to get out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You I need- feel like. We're almost five seasons through this show. I feel like they never start filming knowing how they want the episode to end. Yeah, it's almost like, I mean, they have that outline, but it's almost like, all right, here's what needs to be accomplished in this scene. All right, when is it done? That's what we need to decide. When is is the scene done? Because a, a lot of time it's just... Uh, we'll just go until we get tired, or yeah, until there's yeah. a stare down, yeah. or until Larry just says, okay. 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 All right. Yeah. Or Susie yells at Larry. That's that's it. That's <laughs> something it. Like that. Yeah. Um, so, but Cheryl's like, no, come on, you don't need a jacket. We're just going to the beach. And he's like, it gets very cold. I agree with Larry, by the way. Especially, I mean, I've been to Southern California, and yeah, it's hot during the day, but there's like no cloud cover, and oh, so yeah. it gets freezing <laughs> in, in those desert climates at night. Well, if you ever well, been I mean, to one. We were just in Southern California. We were yeah. just in Disneyland, and it was real cold at night. And yeah. we were thinking like. It was so different because uh, last time we were there, we were coming from Pennsylvania yeah. to Southern California, which is much warmer. But now that we're going from Texas to Southern California, Southern California is a lot colder than Texas in the night. And it doesn't have the humidity that you get no. in the south there. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, uh, Texas has turned us into real babies when it comes to weather. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, as soon as that. it dips below like 55, we're like, all right, time for my winter coat. And here I've, I've convinced myself that 55 is warm. And I'm like, I don't need a jacket. And then I'm like oh, freezing no, on the dude. walk to school or when, whatever. Whenever I was in college, like 55 was the absolute cutoff line. If it was 55 or higher, it was T-shirt, no jacket, <laughs> and jeans walking to class. Yeah. And I'm like, I could not imagine doing that now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And he wants Cheryl to think of him as the smart pig who builds his house out of brick, <laughs> which is pretty funny. <laughs> so on the beach, everyone's having a great time except Larry, which could be the synopsis for every episode of Curb. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's having a good time except for Larry. Yeah, everyone's just being very convivial and just talking around this beautiful fire. And Larry is just like arms crossed, lean back in his chair outside of the group, just scowl on his face. He's cold, first of all, and he also hates toasting marshmallows. Uh, and he lets <laughs> everyone know that they are wrong for liking it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he even has the line. He's like, I don't want to spoil anyone's fun. I can see that you're having a good time, but it's idiotic what you're doing. That was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, also, it's a funny way. <laughs> I wanted to wanted to interject here. Uh, Grace stopped me during the episode and said, uh, I want you to say this is exactly how I like my marshmallows. She likes them burnt to a crisp. Burnt to a crisp. One of those. Yeah. Okay. She's one of those. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. I mean, that, you, you kind of have to to make sure that the center is 
completely melted because otherwise you're just going to get a golden brown marshmallow that has like still that hard center, you know. So that that's kind of the way you want to you have to do it if you don't want to spend the time like as a human rotisserie high above the flame. <laughs> See, melting I will your do marshmallow. that. I yeah, will do that. I will too. I will too. I'll take my time with a s'more. But you know what? I I, I love marshmallow is one of my favorite flavors. It I I is love it. Is it really? Yeah, it mm. it really is. Um the new Peeps Pepsi I love Peepsy? it. It's delicious. Yeah, Peepsy. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you see it, if you do it for Taste Test Tuesday, it's great. I, I oh, highly recommend man. it. I'll, uh, um, I'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, I, I know I'm really trying to keep an eye on uh, Strawberries and Cream Dr. Pepper. because I've heard of that. That's it, huge it, on TikTok, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. like selling out. Like It's going away like immediately. As soon as it wow. hits store shelves, it is gone. Yeah. I'm going to have to. I, it's I like the Nintendo Wii in 2008. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but I I agree with Larry that s'mores suck. I love s'mores taste. I if you have like s'mores cereal or s'mores candy bar or whatever, um, I love that taste. But s'mores are just a bad vehicle for getting that taste into your mouth because yeah, the chocolate is all the graham crackers break. The chocolate doesn't melt properly. The 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 marshmallow gets all over the place then yeah. you got sticky hands for the rest of the night all right let me let me ask your opinion of a thing that i saw in walmart last night they have chocolate stuffed marshmallows we get what? those we yeah we use those for s'mores do you okay yeah. okay how yep. do they work out like do they is it like equal equal meltage like is it like as soon as you like brown the inside like chocolate's ready to go like does um does the chocolate and the marshmallow like get all gooey at the same rate well it goes back to that problem that we talked about where you know you gotta really cook it you gotta really okay. bake it and or that chocolate is going to be hard still which is fine yeah. you know some people like just the little bit of meltiness that the marshmallow gives to the chocolate you know that's mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do it the yeah, hot see, marshmallow like, melts the chocolate slightly yeah i don't want meltiness i want gooiness you know like i yeah. want it to be i want it to like stay solid but i want to be able to bite through it with no friction right right i i seem to remember and again i'm not a big you know i'll just kind of toast those and eat them without the graham crackers because i hate when you squeeze the graham cracker down and the marshmallow goes everywhere it's like great now i gotta like take a shower it's like i'm, <laughs> I'm covered in marshmallow but yeah you'll get the, the chocolate in the middle will be you can make it a little gooey if you use the method that we talked about i guess maybe either way if you burn the marshmallow to a crisp you'd probably get a little gooey chocolate in the middle but if you really bake it up at the top and let that heat permeate that's that's the way to do it so it's trial and error, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But they're good uh, for at least containing the chocolate mess that Larry ends up having to deal with, as we see. Uh, Larry, he is cold. He decides to go to his jacket, uh, go to his car and get his jacket. But he, he goes and it's not there. And he comes back to the beach. And as Mark and Marla are announcing their engagement, he notices that Marla is wearing his jacket. And Cheryl is like, come on, it's it's no big deal. You know, she she's just wearing the jacket. But Larry cannot stop staring at her throughout, you know, even before they announce their engagement is when he notices. And then they announce their engagement. And he's just like, again, scowling and staring at his jacket. Marla absolutely unhinged here because, like, whenever Larry goes up to her and asks her, oh, where'd you get the jacket? Marla even says, oh, I grabbed it from one of the cars. Yeah. Who fucking does this? What? Yeah. No, if That's... it's not your car, you don't fucking take it. Yeah, what? you don't take anything out of anybody else's car. <laughs> oh, I found it in one of the cars. You psycho. I mean, it's a public beach. How did she know that it was definitely <laughs> someone like you know, at, their someone party? At, at her party? Exactly. Yeah. What? <laughs> 
oh, you know, I took it from one of the cars. I was so cold. Like, oh, you just went in a car and, and you stole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you broke into a car and stole. I mean, you're no yeah, better than, yeah, yeah, why didn't you take the radio? That's explicitly what she did. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, I love that they they couldn't write anything better than that. You know, no. it's like there's no good, like, just took it from the car. Yeah, she didn't try to get around it. She was like, oh, I took it from, like, it'd be, like it, she said it was like it was normal. <laughs> um, and Larry's like, well, you know, I had, uh, you know, I'm so glad I brought it. I had the foresight to bring it. Like, very, like, hinting, <laughs> hinting hardcore as Larry does that he would like it back. And Marla offers it. Which Larry takes her up on, making it look like it was her. You know, he kind of does something. Oh, well, yeah. If you wouldn't mind, sure, I'll take it back. Like, like it was her idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was her idea. But uh, it, she immediately. I, I don't know if this is in reference to the stain, but she immediately just goes, "Wow, wow, wow!" Like uh, Larry taking his own jacket back. I'm like, motherfucker, you stole it from his car. He brought it for himself. No, I think it is trying to make Larry seem like he's being inconsiderate, <laughs> like, which is not the case. No, no. There's no reading of that. I don't care how much of a people pleaser or how polite you are. There's no universe where Larry's wrong. Yeah, like w- how we are very often not on Larry David's side with things because yes. he is very often not like the sympathetic being. Yeah, but in yeah. this case, yes, he is. He's the one who brought a jacket for himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, he had the foresight to bring a jacket. And if you're cold, there's a fire right there. Yeah, just stand closer yeah. to the fire. Stand just, closer yeah. to the fire. God. Yeah. And next time, learn your lessons. Just bring a jacket to the beach. <laughs> Better to have it and not need it, you know? Uh, back at home, Cheryl is still upset with Larry about the jacket. Who cares? This is a funny scene, though, because she's like, who cares? Mark and Marla were getting engaged. You didn't have to make that about you. It's not about you. And Larry goes, oh, that's true. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I guess that's right. <laughs> but he's still like the worst kind of asshole that's like, man, that's true. But guess what? I'm an asshole and I don't care. Like, you know, those guys uh, who say they're assholes. Yeah. Like, hey, I guess yeah. I'm an asshole. You know what? And that's that's the way yeah. it is. You know, Yeah. Giving off the energy of like, I'm not racist. I hate everybody. Yeah. Type of type of like middle school boy level yeah. shit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the the uninformed centrist. Yeah. It's like, hey, both sides are the same. You know. Oh. Like I'm just trying to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're, they're really just yeah, they're really just assholes who are not are, are not afraid to say they're assholes. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but it's it's a certain type of person. But I, I but Larry does it in a funny way here. As like, oh, that's that's true. It wasn't about me. Oh well. <laughs> You know, so here's where Cheryl is wrong, and I'm on Larry's side again. She's like, you remember when you said you were like the smart pig? The smart pig helped the other pigs and let them into <laughs> their brick house. But Larry has a great comeback. He's like, yeah, the the pig in the brick house didn't come back and find some other fucking pig in his house. Larry is absolutely right. It's not like the pig from the straw house was in the brick house and was like, oh, you know what? Um, You can come in here. Yeah, I know I can. It's my house. You can get out. <laughs> you know, it's like the brick, the smart pig would have been within his rights to kick out the straw pig from the house but the the brick pig is is nice but it but it didn't but it started from the brick pig offering his jacket yeah marlo would have said around the fire did anybody bring a jacket I, i'm getting kind of cold does anyone have a jacket in their car that would have been okay larry probably wouldn't have offered it but then marlo would have been starting from the straw pig's place and cheryl's metaphor would have worked yeah yeah they, they didn't quite connect to the metaphor that well yeah, but but I think that's okay. I think Cheryl was trying to make a point, and, and she failed at it. I think Larry Larry had her. Like, yeah, he didn't find some fucking pig in his house. The next morning, 
Larry is at the door talking to his Korean bookie, a.k.a. Bobby Lee. Yes, Mad TV. <laughs> Mad TV alum. alum. Bobby Lee. Bobby and Lee. hasn't really done anything big since Mad TV. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think you're right, because I looked, I, I was looking at his IMDb afterwards, and it was like, he played, you know, rental car clerk in Harold and, one of the Harold and Kumar sequels, I think, even. Ooh. He just had, yeah, he just has kind of like bit parts and a lot of stuff, and I was like, yeah, I guess Mad TV was his big, and he probably has returned to stand-up now that I'm, you know, if I was going to guess, but. Oh, um, I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. He, he's He's of that name level, where I feel like a lot of people know him, you know, but he just. Yeah. Never really had like a multi-season run on a sitcom, or he's not yeah. one of the Mad TV people who transitioned over to SNL or yeah. got or a Comedy Central gigs. show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm sure he's doing all right, but he but this was this was definitely after Mad TV, right? I mean, so this was uh this was what oh five? Yeah, want, uh, Mad TV ran until like oh seven or oh eight. Yeah. I think he was oh, on man, until so maybe the it was end. Like, Oh, so maybe it was like the middle of Mad TV. He was on until oh, let me see. Because um, my guess is that this is going to lean the level of appearance that Rob Corddry and Rob Hubel have, where it's like you know Lee, known comedic actor cast in featured role. Uh, almost right in the middle. In 2001, Lee joined the cast of Mad TV, making him the show's first and only Asian cast member. He has publicly expressed that he dreaded playing the characters Bae Sung and Connie Chung, as well as the average Asian skits. Oh, Lee remained no. with the cast until the series' <laughs> cancellation in 2009. And uh, returned briefly when Mad TV... I didn't even know this. When Mad TV was revived in 2016 on the CW. Did you know it came back? I did not. Oh, That's God. Wild. 2016 Mad TV? We should track this down for oh, Patreon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Good the beginning Lord. of the Trump era. What was oh, Mad TV like? <laughs> fuck. I would kill for modern day Mad TV. Well, no, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure it'll. Be like Fox Nation level sketch comedy. Well, that's my. I mean, did they just go like harder into sketch, I, it, sketches like average Asian character? <laughs> it's hard to imagine that they went harder into politics than <laughs> SNL did. I mean, but like harder into right wing politics and like the weird, <laughs> like like the sketches he did not like doing that you mentioned. You Let's know, see. okay, Tom, eight, Tommy Chung or whatever it was. Oh fuck! Oh no! Okay. Um, lasted eight episodes from July 2016 to September 2017, 2016. So prior to Trump getting elected, but, you know, right in all that madness, critics did not take kindly to the revival, feeling that the show's quality had dramatically fallen due, in, due <laughs> oh, to no. an increased new cast. Oh, due to an ex inexperienced new cast, production values that were worse than what was shown during the show's last seasons on Fox... <laughs> Writers who were too restrained by the censorship rules of primetime American TV to be edgy and funny, and former oh cast members being brought back to help the cast. Well, so, you know, Bobby Lee may have been upset about playing Asian stereotypes on Mad TV, but I guess we're still in the midst of his rise to fame, and so he had no problem playing this Korean bookie, which is a stereotype of an Asian character. Larry is placing some wagers on uh, you know a, a basketball he's betting on the nba he lost 300 bucks uh, and he doesn't have the cash to pay him so he has to write a check to, to cash Susie and cheryl come in and as uh larry and the korean bookie were going to uh, get the check they bring oscar in 
And Larry mentions that Oscar is his, this was to me a great Susie Larry interaction because he's like, oh my gosh, what are you feeding this dog? He's as big as a house. And that offends Susie. Like, don't call my dog fat. He was like, what are you talking about? You, we, we call Jeff a fat fuck all the time. She's like, Jeff is a fat fuck. <laughs> Oscar's just big boned or something like that, she says. But the Korean bookie is drooling over Oscar, saying he's perfect and so lean and, you know, asks where Susie lives immediately, which Larry tells them precisely. Oh, yeah, it's just a block up. It's the house with the big white columns. Yeah, and what stuff. the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Um, no, don't do this. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't tell someone exactly where they live if they're not, like, you know, expecting their them to come by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a weird thing to do. Like, Susie gave enough information. Like, it's 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 suspect because, haha, Asian people eat dogs. Immediately, they're they're digging their heels into this joke. Um, or Koreans, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how far they're taking it. Maybe just Koreans eat dogs. But that, yes, he was drooling over the dog because he wants to eat it. And so, like, Susie is sort of tentative. Like, oh, we live uh, in the neighborhood. Like, that's enough to tell any casual acquaintance, even if you're not suspicious of them. Like, that's enough information for Susie, you know, for anybody to go, oh, yeah, we live here. You know, and then if, if like, if I'm talking to somebody who lives in my neighborhood, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, we live, I'll be a little more specific or whatever. But just casual acquaintances don't need any more information than Susie gave them, regardless of whether you're su- suspect yeah. of uh, a stereotype <laughs> that, that you believe to be true. We find out the, the bookie's name is Song, by the way. Uh, so in uh, I think sung with a U. Yeah, but they pronounce it song, which I found okay interesting. And I know that you know every so often, like the, the vowels are, are different. You know, pronunci- the vowels between Asian and English pronunciations can be different. I do know that. Uh, like uh, Ang Lee, for instance, the director, I think is Ong Lee, even though it's it starts with an A. I think. Um, but anyway, I heard song. But uh, in Jeff and Larry's car. Susie obviously told Jeff about Larry calling Oscar fat because Jeff has to have a talking. I, I like that, you know, th- this happens a lot in Curb. It's like kind of a runner that that I don't know if you want to call it a runner because it's not really a gag. But Susie gets pissed off at Larry when Jeff's not around. And then Jeff has to have a talking to with Larry <laughs> later on. He's like, you, like, you can call the dog fat in front of me. I don't care, but just don't do it in front of Susie. You know, like he has to have a talking to like because I got an earful about you calling my dog fat. And, you know, whether whether Susie directs him to tell Larry not to do that again or whatever, yeah. or Jeff's Me- like, yeah. Meanwhile, like, we're calling Bosco fat every single day. Like, oh, there's my little fat boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and Larry never used that word. He just said he's big as a house. You know, he could have said it in, like, a way that the dog is, is – well, I mean, I guess maybe Larry didn't mean it that way. But, yeah, I know it's – we had a cat that we called fat all the time, just constantly. But cats – I know cats are, you know, different about that than dogs, um, at least any show of affection. Uh, so, oh, I like Larry's analyzation here of having a dog in your house. He's like, I remember we had a dog, Sheriff, remember? So we mentioned this dog that we never saw again that I guess Larry got rid of. Um, so we do get a little closer on the Sheriff storyline. <laughs> but he's like, a dog is like having a bum in your house. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's such a fun, like someone who's just like hanging out on the couch when you get home from a hard day at work. And they're like, oh, hey, what's up, man? You want to hang out? It's like, I mean, yes, <laughs> but can you? <laughs> What did you do today? Like, oh, I don't know. Like, slept and oh, like, wait, ate wait for my you food. to get home. Yeah, wait for you to get home. You know, I am kind of hungry now. Actually, it's like, oh god. <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious. As they're driving by good old Izzy's Deli, they see uh, Heinemann's car, and it has not been fixed. The place uh, where Larry bumped into it in order to meet, uh, you know, uh, Heinemann, it, the light has not been fixed, and so Larry goes into the diner and confronts. Is it, was his first name Ben? I can't remember now. Ben Heineman? That sounds right. Yeah, right? I think that was it. 
Um, so he confronts him about it, and he's like, well, no, I, I took the money. It was my money. I gave it to my daughter. She needed something. And Larry thinks that's ethically wrong to use the money that he gave him to fix the car for anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's at that point when Larry comes back outside that Susie calls Jeff, and Oscar ate three boxes of Oreos and might <laughs> die at the vet. Oh my god! <laughs> and just the way that like Jeff is on the phone, he's like, "Oscar's at the vet. He's gonna die." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ate three boxes of Oreos, and Larry Good takes Lord. that occasion to go see. You feed that dog too much. <laughs> <laughs> so over at Pasternak Veterinary Center, don't which, you know you're, you should only give him one full box of Oreos? <laughs> exactly. Uh, over at Pasternak Veterinary Center, which is at 2038 South Sepulveda Boulevard in West Los Angeles. They still have the same number, 268-BARK. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and they've been there since 2003. And they are not only a I, – I think – I was trying to figure out whether it's only one type of care. But I think they offer both. They offer regular veterinary medical care, but also holistic and natural veterinary care including animal acupuncture i know um i know grace's vet did that whenever she Ac- was there animal acupuncture yeah interesting yeah it's a it's a thing that um a lot of old people do you know like uh for for their pets to just kind of get them to do or get them to live a little bit longer huh interesting yeah. i just feel like a dog and cat plus needle would not be a fun time maybe they're sedated during it or something nope Wow. Yeah. Okay. They're just just, uh, very good. Just letting them stick them with needles. Larry finds out from uh, someone coming in to drop off a pet that the Knicks lost by four. So, yeah, Larry is on the hook for the 300 bucks. Wait, or I think that was just 150. That was was just 150. Yeah, he goes 150, then to 300 for the next one. Yeah. And so, and I know the previous one was also 300 that he owed him, that he was collecting for. And Larry starts crying. Oh, Why yeah. does a man worth a billion dollars cry over oh. losing 150? Right? Right. I, at first no. I thought, I was like, well, maybe I misheard <laughs> and he actually bet like 150,000. No. Nope. I was like, no, that's 150 150 bucks. <laughs> like, I'm good for that. And I'm not good for much. Like I would be, I would be like terminally bummed about that. Like I would have to cut back on something that week. But I could handle it. I could handle yeah. a hundred and fifty dollar loss. Yeah. Like I, I can't handle that right now. Simply yeah. because I mean we're in the middle of you know trying to uh, scrounge up as much money as we can prior to closing on the house. Right. But uh, I, I mean. After that, yeah, I, I can, <laughs> yeah. I can and make it, that work. Do I want to make it work? No, absolutely not. Oh yeah, it's not smart. Yeah, I know I but made I a can. mistake. Yeah, yeah. but it, it wouldn't <laughs> bankrupt me. Like it seems like it's going to bankrupt Larry because <laughs> he's literally crying over it. As Jeff and Susie and Cheryl come out, and they think he's getting emotional over over Oscar's state, but they're like, "Oh no, he's going to be okay. You know, he's sedated. He's going to be fine." And, and Larry. Takes the sympathy. He's like, I just love that dog. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's really touching everybody's heart. Except Jeff. I think Jeff thinks Larry's a little sus because he's kind of like. I think Jeff knew immediately what was going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. He's like rolling his eyes. But then Susie looks at him. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. He, he didn't want to be the one to, to sell out his friend. Oh, yeah. He's not going to blow up Larry's spot. Not, no. not Jeff. Uh, so back not at home. Fuck Jeff. <laughs> fuck, come on. Uh, <laughs> back at home. He's able to keep a lot of secrets in that belly. <laughs> yeah. And you can just hit him and he doesn't even feel it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Back at home, Marla sent Larry a an apology card saying, you know, sorry about getting a s'mores stain on your jacket. I don't even think we we really you you mentioned it, but there was a huge melted chocolate stain on Larry's beautiful Columbia zip up when Marla gave it back to him. And so she sent a card to him saying, you know, sorry, and here's a check for one hundred and fifty dollars. And Larry rationalizes again, a man worth a billion dollars rationalizes keeping a hundred and fifty dollar check. He's like, I'm, like, you I'm know just going to keep it. You know what? When you when you when you <laughs> what did he say? Whenever you cash these, it, it screws up the books. I'm like, whenever you, when you Larry. rip them up, he's like, people rip these up and and it screws up the books. You know, like <sighs> if it's if a written check is not, you know, an out of sequence check is then used after you know he's like it screws up the books like <laughs> it's a long walk to like keep 150 dollars but he's also impressed he's like you know what a lot of people would not admit a mistake and own up to it like that in the way that she did he's like very like that i agree with but yeah but he's also very condescendingly God. impressed with it yeah he's like wow you know he's like, <laughs> like i didn't expect that out of marla i didn't expect that out of someone like marla but he's like i'm like that my grandma used to tell me I was always like that. He's like, she used to say to me, most people aren't like you, Larry. That was such a funny phrase <laughs> because it could mean like most people aren't like you in a good way. Like most people are good. They're not like you. But he took it as like most people aren't like Larry. Larry's the best of the bunch. <laughs> Larry's Larry's the best. Larry's as good as they come. Yeah. Oh, and coming God. from a grandma, that is probably how she meant it. it but... It's a very grandma thing to say. Yes. Yeah. But but people who know Larry David would hear it the other way. Like, yeah, most people aren't like you. And, it, and that's why society <laughs> functions. <laughs> yeah, most people aren't like you. Most people are compassionate. Most people <laughs> yeah. have, have a, a regard for other people's being. Yeah, they're not sociopaths. Most yeah. people are not. It is true. <laughs> but Cheryl is also impressed uh, as she brings back up again with Larry's emotion over Oscar. She was like, wow, it was, uh, you know, you don't see that very often out of you and it was uh you know it's very nice to see that you were again uh, kind of as we're talking about it was nice to see you caring about something another living thing at least and that turns into for larry a little bit of daytime sex and he's like whoa mm. what does he say like hello charlie or something like that oh i don't know <laughs> when she like starts kissing he's like, oh he, like, he says hello nelson she starts like new like canoodling and like kissing his <laughs> neck and he's like well hello nelson <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't get where that where that comes from. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, she she does say like I've never seen you that in touch with your emotions. And I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. She's yeah. she's into the the softer, the more sensitive Larry David. And I love that Larry's like, ah, oh, he's like, I love daytime sex. You can just kind of go on with the rest of your day like nothing happened. Yeah. Well, so I mean, he, he even says, he's like, am I detecting a little daytime sex here? Daytime yeah. sex? I love daytime sex. Jesus yeah. Christ. The line, you can go on with the rest of your day like nothing happened was so <laughs> funny to me. I'm like, if that was an ad lib, that's absolutely genius. I mean, that it's just so funny. It's just such a funny line. And, and it even almost like kills the mood for Cheryl. He's like, you can go on the rest of your day with like nothing happens. She's like, okay. She's like, stop talking. It is sex time now. Like, you're going to ruin it. <laughs> stop talking and take your pants off. Yeah. Stop being you. Yeah, you're going to ruin it. <laughs> so <laughs> over at Sky Flowers, which was at 4795 Vineland Avenue in North Hollywood, it is the. It was in a little strip mall that now has a, a copy print place, a, a high mart, uh, like kind of cafe supermarket, I think, and a gym, but uh, no more Sky Flowers. But Song is doing flowers there for Marla and Mark's wedding. I, this was. I like this line where Larry's like, 
He's like, I- I'm doing their wedding. And Larry's like, what are you doing there? He's like, flowers, dum-dum. <laughs> I, I lo- that was really I, I like, good. I like, I like that. that you said dum-dum there, but also because dum-dum is what Sarah calls me all the time. Uh. She calls everybody dum-dum. So I, I liked it. <laughs> I liked hearing it. Uh, once again, Larry. so Larry's there to settle up. But again, he doesn't have cash. But he does have a check from Marla. So he's going to sign it over to uh, Song. And he also wants to put $300 on the Celtics. And Song There's is no eating... no rhyme or reason whatsoever to any team that Larry's betting yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I just... thought I thought this was really weird too because he's not like <laughs> saying okay, yeah, on this game here, I, I would like to bet like on like this person being like player of the game or on like this player getting this many this many baskets, this many points, this many rebounds. It's just I like the Celtics. End of yeah, I, I guess it's just straight up money line. I guess, yeah. But also, Larry's not... I mean, (laughs) how does Larry know what odds his bookie is using? Like, it's just (laughs) weird to me. He doesn't at all. And and also, yeah, we don't... I guess it's just the next Celtics game. Like, I like the Celtics. I don't know who they're playing in their next game, but I think they're going to win their next game. Like, we should analyze that. (laughs) Yeah, you should uh, put maybe more thought into it. And by more, (laughs) I mean some. And by some, I mean... Any at all. <laughs> yeah, and maybe you'd win some of these wagers. If you just <laughs> if you just didn't like say an NBA team and throw money at your bookie. Yeah. Although I will say Larry is very good at losing all of his bets by <laughs> just a few points. Yeah, that's true. Because like yeah. how many how many NBA games do you see that like, oh yeah, they they the final score is one ten to one oh eight. I'm like, not many. A lot yeah. of them are like, you know, 10, 15 point spreads. Exactly, yeah. So a three-point spread, like... It's a very close game. He's very good at picking all very close games yeah, he, on the losing end. Yeah, he knows the one where they're going to beat the spread by one point. <laughs> um, so Song is also eating a sandwich that he will only tell Larry is some delicious fresh meat. And by the way, if you haven't watched this episode, Bobby Lee is not speaking in, from what I understand, his normal speaking voice, right? No, he is not. So he is putting on a bit of an accent. (laughs) And by a bit, I mean a lot. And by a lot, I mean over the top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, it it verges on minstrelly. Like, I I almost didn't want to say it, but... Because I, I feel like I feel like if he was not Asian, it would obviously yeah. be problematic. But since he is Asian, I, I guess it's not super problematic. I, I mean, there was it's not most as likely pro- someone who's not Asian telling him to do this. Right. Yeah, it's not as problematic, but for sure, like back in the days that I was referencing, like there were like Amos and Andy is a good example that people point to of like black dudes playing into black stereotypes for the mm, 1950s yeah. TV and radio audience or whatever it was. So, I mean, it, it's it, it's it just fe- you know, it just feels icky. That's all it has to do, you know. It it just feels icky to me, <laughs> you know, and it sounds like you feel the same way. Yeah. Like cuz it's not only the accent, it's the eating dog thing, you know, that he's like, "Oh, yeah, it's yeah, fresh when, meat." Wait, when's the last time you've asked anybody like, "Oh, yeah, what are you eating there?" Doesn't matter, it's fresh. And I'm like, yeah. oh, "All right." fucking weirdo it's the most delectable fresh meat like uh, <laughs> it, it, although if okay. someone no matter like no matter their race if anybody said that to me i would immediately assume they're eating human <laughs> yeah i'm like yeah, exactly. oh okay this person's fucking nuts Nondescript and, meat. and they are jeffrey dahmering this sandwich right now i gotta say to me it looked like a mcrib it did. It looked like it really that. Did. It looked like that pale khaki McRib <laughs> color that 
you know, people don't realize the McRib only gets its color from the sauce. Like, otherwise, it's a disgusting yeah. beige. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looked like a very lightly sauced McRib. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, and so Larry takes that occasion to ask about Oscar and whether he knows. Oh, wait, did I miss the point? The part where I guess I did like. Oh, yeah. Oscar ran away. Yeah. Oscar ran away. Um Oscar's missing. So Jeff and over at Jeff and Susie's place, yeah, I skipped a whole scene. Oscar is missing. He was sedated in the backyard, and so now they don't know where he is. Larry explains to Jeff that his, when his, his Korean bookie saw Oscar, he was drooling over him, uh, and he's going to investigate when he goes oh, to pay off yeah. his Nick's and, loss. Yeah, and this is where we get like the, the very first uh, instance of like very overt racism. Like, it's not, we're not even hinting at it, but Larry just yeah. says to Jeff, you know it's not a myth, right? They eat dogs. Yeah. And I fucking cringed so hard at this that I'm yeah. surprised my cringe didn't turn the TV off. I know. I mean, is it should we even look into that? Like as <sighs> I kind of want to, but again, it's going to feel icky. Yeah, you can if you want. I, I right. mean, I I feel like I know exactly where this is going to go. You know, it probably happened once right. 300 years ago. Yes. And and the, the, the stereotype, the legend just continued on from there, right? Yeah, this is probably an apt prediction, I would say. But uh, I will I will go to TuckerCarlson.com and do all my research there. <laughs> and, and <see. laughs> You're going to go watch the Fox Nation documentary. On, yes. On. Yeah. <laughs> the Fox Nation documentary titled Asian People. What's their deal? <laughs> Asian people and everything they do wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can't wait to watch this. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Oscar is missing. And so Larry asks Song about Oscar, whether he's seen him or not. And we get a classic Larry stare down, then a, a classic Larry okay at the end of it. So Larry the human lie detector bit. Did you notice in this scene the continuity error of sometimes Song has a mouthful of food and sometimes he doesn't? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes he's got like meat crammed into his cheeks and he's trying to talk and sometimes <laughs> it's completely empty. I uh, Before we move on to the next scene, I liked this bit so much more before they did it in every single <laughs> episode. Like in the first, I don't know, four seasons, I think it happened five times totaled. Yeah. In in the latter half, it, at the very least, in the latter half of season five, it's happened every single episode. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And I'm like, wow, we really are just, we're, we're five seasons into this, and we're just checking off all the boxes of all <laughs> the things we need to put in every single episode, you know? He's digging I, into the bit, yeah. Uh, I, I just, <laughs> I don't know. I, we're, we're going through the motions. It sustains to me because of the reaction of the person he's doing it to. That's what I always look for. And Bobby Lee had fun because everyone has funny reactions. They're not being intimidated. No one's ever intimidated by this. And that's the part of it that cracks me up uh, every time. So Bobby Lee like is kind of like frenetically kind of shaking his head and looking back at Larry, like not standing down at all. Like that's supposed to be intimidating by Larry and no one ever is. So that's kind of where I, they either just stare at him. Like Marty Funkhauser always has a funny, like he just stares at him straight faced, <laughs> like waits for him to finish, you know? And, but some people are like, what, what are you doing? Why are you making that face at me? That's what, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me coming back every episode. <laughs> 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 at the beach it is mark and marla's wedding and i guess they threw this together fast i mean they mentioned like if it was the first of the month uh, at their barbecue they say we want you to come back here on the 14th so that's like two weeks to plan a beach wedding with like 50 people yeah. i don't think i'm exaggerating or I, I, like we're talking about crowd estimating like there's a lot of people at this beach wedding and they just kind of threw it together in in a couple weeks if if 
this t- if my timeline is to be believed. Uh, Larry notices that Heinemann's car is in the lot, so that's interesting. And Jeff notices that does he say it's a titty fest? This wedding is a real titty fest. Oh, I wrote down the exact line. Let me see. Okay. <laughs> Jeff says there's big bosoms everywhere you yes, look. Big heaving um, bosoms. This is what I wrote. Uh, Larry and Jeff see Heinemann's daughter. She's got giant fake titties. In Jeff, oh yeah. In Jeff's words. Well, so that happens a little bit later. Um, but <laughs> He's got yeah, giant yeah. fake titties. Yeah. But Jeff, you know, he noticed, and and Larry's like, oh, you know what? Mark invited all his clients. <laughs> These are all people he gives boob jobs to. Um, and you're what, right. Wh- why would you invite all of the people that you've done business with at your job to I your know. wedding? Do you, do you like not have any friends? It's like a, a <laughs> not bulk at all. Of, yeah, it's just like people you've. People who have paid you to do work yeah. on them, like yeah, you just want only women that you may or may not know personally who've got giant breasts <laughs> yeah. to be at your wedding. And one of them is, as you mentioned, Heinemann's daughter has a huge chest now. And I, I, so here's, I'll emphasize what I underlined uh, because this could also be the generic curb your enthusiasm synopsis. Of course, Larry <laughs> must say something. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I wrote down, Larry goes over and definitely needs to voice his opinion, <laughs> saying that less is more and that she went too big. Uh, Larry says that he doesn't know what kind of guy she's going after with those type of things, but you're not going to get a guy like me? Yeah. What? Yeah, we both wrote the same thing. Like, Larry <laughs> needs to let his opinion be known. Like, yeah. uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're not going to get a guy as great as me. The guy like me line was weird. What? It really was. Yeah, you're not going to get. And, and Rachel's like, oh, no. Oh, like, no. Oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm so distraught over that. She's got the exact appropriate reaction. I mean, I, I she should probably be a little more pissed. But, yeah. like, like. You're not gonna get a you're not gonna get a nice guy like me. That's this type of energy, you know. It's funny though that like she's like my dad thought my social inter- interactions would have more joy if I did this <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a weird thing uh, for a dad to say, but he, in fact, so not only does he insult Rachel, her name is Rachel, right? I'm not yeah. just mixing her up with the ski lift lady. I'm okay, almost sure yeah. her name is Rachel, right? Yeah, I. Uh, I let me, we both let me look back so. at the previous episode. You keep okay. going. Um. Well, yeah. Well, not only does he tell potentially Rachel uh, about this, but he also insults Mark in the way, saying that he made her into a freak show. That it's freak show levels of chest. <laughs> yeah. He also mentions that you know he paid for them, and that's a laughable. A statement to Rachel who says like yeah maybe the maybe the left one maybe the bottom half of the left one or something like that did you find her name it is Rachel yep okay, okay. good good yeah so Larry then asks somebody nearby who won the Celtics game and the Celtics <laughs> lost and Larry has another breakdown as Cheryl and Susie it- come upon him over another $150 in total this episode. This was 300 only... This was the 300 this one, was 300? remember? Yeah, this was 300 You wanted 300 on the Celtics. That's what okay. I wrote, yeah. So in total, in this episode, he has bet less than $1,000. <laughs> That's true. It's $750. A man who is worth over $1 billion <laughs> has lost $1,000. You know how many times 1000 goes into a billion, Tim? No. A million. 
Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you could do that a million times. Yeah, you could do that a million times over. You could lose a thousand dollars a million days in a row and be fine. Yeah, but no, this three hundred dollars was blood money to Larry, and so he breaks down again as Cheryl and Susie come upon him. And they, at first, they're very concerned, but then the guy says, "I just told him the, the Celtics lost," and the jig is up to Cheryl and Susie. Of course, this guy doesn't have quite the allegiance that Jeff has yeah, to Larry. Exactly. And immediately blows Larry's Larry's spot. Yeah. Well, I think he probably did it out of concern too, because he's kind of like, all I did was tell him the Celtics lost. I I, I didn't. You know, I don't know what <laughs> this guy started crying. Like it wasn't my fault. You know, like he wants to like give them some information because he's concerned. He's worried for Larry's well being over yeah. this. <laughs> uh, so I think his heart was in the right place. But Larry sort of excuses himself by going, uh, I'm. Uh, uh, Chilly. I'm gonna get my coat out of the car. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. To, to which Larry comes back wearing his fleece jacket, uh, a, a full <laughs> shirt, pants, and like his sun hat in the middle of the sun. Yeah. Yeah. At the the beach. Um. And Marla during the ceremony sees Larry wearing the s'mores coat. <laughs> and now I think there might be a alternate universe curb your enthusiasm about marla's character because she's obviously insane like there's an episode where she takes a i, I would honestly would love to see that she takes a coat from a car and gets berated by this crazy guy for doing that totally normal thing and also <laughs> interrupts her ceremony right before the end to call this guy out for still wearing the coat yeah. that had yeah i'd love to see the episode where marla is the hero ceremony you're right <laughs> I, yeah, I like want to. I want to see that point of view. You're right. It's about to. I want to see the whole series. Like this, this is just <laughs> one episode in a great series of, uh, of the Marla show. Because yeah, she interrupts her own ceremony right near the end to like say, "Oh my gosh, wait, you didn't get the check I sent where I wrote in the memo buy buy new jacket with this." And Larry says he used the money for something else, and the audience just erupts into just uh, all discussion about this. I got the feeling that they were trying to convey that the audience is. The audience at the wedding is having the is, same argument that Larry had. Like, is that ethically correct to use yeah, money yeah, we, that someone we, gave you for something for anything kind of, else? We kind of get the idea that the the audience at the wedding is all obviously on Marla's side. I, yeah, I get the I get the feeling though that some people are on Larry's side though, and they're all arguing about it now. That it turned into a huge <laughs> argument about. Well, no, you can use the money for whatever you want. It's like, no, she gave it to him for the coat. Like that audience, but some some of it is just yelling at Larry as well. But I don't get the feeling this is one of the indis- the instances where a, a, an entire group of people are mad at Larry. I think it just erupted into a debate across the entire congregation. So during the reception, Larry and Jeff are loving the dish that there is being served and he asks what it is and uh, the person setting up the buffet says it's pagulki and the florist brought it and larry starts freaking <sighs> out screaming that everybody is eating dog causing a riot at yeah everyone's panicking spitting out the food throwing running up. around yeah. throwing up it, just mass hysteria mass over hysteria. larry's very overt and over the top racism yeah you're eating dog we're all eating dog and everyone believes him immediately mm-hmm. like what what is that <laughs> like if someone yelled that in the middle of the reception i'd go huh what, what was that commotion over there oh ha ha i don't i don't know yeah it's it's really weird but as they're leaving in total silence from the wedding from the parking lot larry and cheryl see oscar running through the parking lot so i guess this beach must be pretty close to jeff and larry and <laughs> I where guess. they live. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they see Oscar running through the parking lot, and in his distraction, Larry ends up hitting Heinemann's car on the other 
light, which, by the way, did you notice was a physical impossibility for his car to hit the Cadillac's light where it was? Because his bumper is touching the bumper of the other car. There's no way... Unless he like rammed into it and the bumper like lifted on the other bumper into the light, but that's definitely not yeah. what happened. He'd have to like no. slam on the gas to do that. <laughs> like it's definitely not happening at the speed he's going. For sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like you would tap the bumper, not the light. That's the thing. There's no contact made with the light, but the other light, the other brake light is impossibly broken, and so he leaves another note on Heidemann's windshield as Frolic starts, and that's the end of the episode. All right, Tim. What do we got for homework this week? I don't even want to say it, but. You know, we'll dig into the... We'll, we'll dig in. We'll, we'll dig into you-know-what uh, about you-know-what. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> y- You-know-what about you-know-who. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you like for cover art? Hmm. Tough one. I mean, you almost hate to use this one, but the scene with all four of them in the living room is pretty is not bad all four of them in the living room i'm sorry yeah like jeff uh, i'm sorry uh larry and song and Susie and cheryl and oscar i don't know if we get like a a shot with all of them though is the right right it's like oh yeah here's cheryl and Susie, and here's larry and song yeah yeah you might be right maybe the (sighs) mass hysteria at the wedding yeah that'd be a good one something like that yeah i like that i wonder if you'll even be able to tell what's going on (laughs) yeah you gotta Um, watch that's why you gotta watch yeah, I'll, I'll find something that, yeah. that works. All right, let's see what we can do about this week's description. Okay. So we had, Larry suspects his Korean bookie of kidnapping Jeff's dog. I mean, it's true. Is it what, is it the central storyline of the episode? No, it doesn't even come in until probably, I, I, I think the second act. Yeah. Because, I mean, Oscar's gone by that point. Larry's already yeah. made a couple of bets by that point. They're, they've already been to Mark and Marla's already. Yeah. Um, how about invited to the wedding? What about? I think this covers a lot of ground. See what you think. I, I hope it works as well when I say it out loud. Larry's jacket, and here's where I have. Here's where I get into hilarity ensues. So I'm just gonna say Larry's jacket causes problems at the beach because those are two big events that happen that are covered by one sentence. So what I, do we think? I don't hate it. <laughs> Larry's jacket causes is causes problems. I know it's generic, but I don't know if I don't know what we could do better. Yeah, I I kind of like it. All right, it, you're you're right. It is pretty generic, but it covers all our bases. Yeah, just causes problems. I mean, like you know, uh, uh, there's fights over. See that I think gives away too much. Like there's fights over Larry's jacket at the beach. Like that does that happens twice too. But I think With causes problems person. is yeah. yeah yeah. I think causes problems is generic, but I'm I'm happier with it than than the the thing about the Korean bookie because yeah. that I feel like the jacket is the central, almost more central to the story than than Oscar in this case. I like it. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. All right, sweet. All right, so Tim, did you like this episode? Uh, you know, I got some good laughs out of it. I mentioned the ones that uh, I mentioned the 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 times the lines that I really liked out of it. Um, <laughs> I I can't give it a star. I mean, God, but I mean, yeah. I mean, like problematic nature noted. It um it was a fine average episode. I mean, it'd be great if we didn't have the overt racism, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, consider it. Yeah, it was it was funny. Not the racist parts, but it was funny. <laughs> Let me go on record record. and just say that the racist parts weren't funny, says Tim. The situations created by them were funny, okay? (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no, Tim. (laughs) What about you? Uh, No. No, I, no didn't, I didn't like no. really anything about it, you know? Yeah. And that's that's aside from the nature of, yeah. of the content. You know, just episode did nothing for me whatsoever. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it was subpar, but I, I, there were some funny lines in it. I think that might bring it up to the average yeah. level. Like I, I just felt like this was a, a very, you know, play, paint by numbers, curb your enthusiasm episode. We yeah. got the lie detector bit. We got someone did something to wrong Larry that they thought was right that Larry thinks is wrong. E- even Grace was saying, she's like, you know, every single episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that I walk in on you watching <laughs> seems like the exact same thing. And I'm like, yeah, you're pretty <laughs> well, much yeah. right. <laughs> I you're mean, I can't even right. disagree with her there. It's it's the exact same thing, just with different people playing the characters, different things that get taken from Larry, and and different guest stars once in a while. That's yeah. about it. I mean, I suppose you could read any situation comedy like that. Is like, yeah, they're always going to go to work, and they're always going to get into trouble there, or whatever, you know. But I, I guess it's maybe becoming a little too rote uh, at this point because th- this this episode, cr- you know, did had a couple of cardinal sins in my opinion, for what makes a bad episode, and that's creating a situation that wouldn't happen in real life. The genius of this comes from, like, Larry reacting in the way that we all want to or the way that we've all thought about anyway for a second. Yeah, Um, you know, that that time that you... the, The... That that time that you always take a jacket to the beach for nighttime, and then it always gets stolen out of your yeah. car by someone at the party. Don't by you someone hate who thinks when that happens. Yeah, by uh, yeah, it's it's it, no rational, no reasonable person. That's why yeah, I was yeah. like, Marla is so unreasonable. No reasonable person would do that. That wouldn't happen yeah, in this, everyday life. So yeah, this would absolutely never happen. <laughs> and then they had to dig into a racist myth and create that situation. It's like, well. Yeah. It's just two very unreasonable things happening in a single episode. So, no, I I didn't like this episode. (laughs) Worst episode ever. Well, I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I don't know what would be worst episode ever for me at this point. But uh, uh, is it bad that I have a list to pick from? (laughs) I I would have to go back and look. I'm like, ooh. This this would actually be challenging. This would be this would be a fun uh, fun project. I think of like what is the worst episode so far. We should have done that at the end of the season. For I feel like Seinfeld would have been a better one. Like my least favorite episode was this one. You know. Yeah, we can, um, we can do that at the end of uh, season five for Curb because for Curb, we're com- we co- coming up quick on it. And, it's not uh, going to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, okay, Tim. Next week we've got season five, episode ten. The end. Whoa. Original air date. Original air date. December fourth, two thousand and five. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see in the season five finale, Larry is changed by a trip to Arizona. That's funny. That's a funny uh, synopsis. Uh, Larry is changed by a trip to Arizona. So uh, I like that. I don't know what happens in Arizona from the cover art that HBO has picked. It looks like the kidney situation is happening. He's yeah, next it, to a Richard Lewis in a hospital bed. Looks like he uh, finally makes the decision to donate one of his own kidneys. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. In the, uh, it's great that they're leading up to a kind of an exciting season finale. Um, <laughs> so I don't remember what happens, but I can't wait to find out. So is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good! Be good!